Hello everyone, I'm Jackie Lewis, Senior Minister here at Middle Church. Welcome to worship today. No matter how you're with us here in the sanctuary or on your computer or your smartphone or not so smartphone, uh, on the television, watching with your family, your friends, we're so glad that you're with us today. It just means so much to have you here. This is the day God has made for us to rejoice and be glad in. I'm delighted uh, that you will get a chance today to meet the Reverend Mira Sawani Joyner, who is our new minister for spiritual development and care. She's an extraordinarily gifted human being, and we're delighted that she can preach for us today. And let me know a couple of other things that are going on uh, soon uh, for you to pay attention to. Uh, next week, we're going to have our Trans Day of Remembrance worship celebration. Alok is going to be our guest preacher. We're going to baptize Giuseppe Morelli. Joey Morelli is getting baptized and we'll be inviting you to join the movement. It's going to be a really beautiful day. We'll have a few words with Alok after worship and we also have our interfaith book there. There's so many wonderful ways for you to plug in. Prayers at 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning, all the different groups. Please go to middlechurch.org and find a connection that will make you feel at home. Please take a moment now and take a deep breath with me. Send me good energy up at the West End Collegiate Church where I'm preaching and let us worship God here and now. Yes, it looks so, is it dark in here? We're kind, it's almost like womb-like. Oh, yes, there we go. Welcome this morning. Uh, if you would stand as you are able, and we're gonna start with our opening hymn. Uh, Bless the Lord. I use she, they pronouns, 
and it's time for the message for all ages. Woo! Yeah! So I invite everyone who is young or young at heart to join me up here or down here. If you want young folks, you can come closer to the balcony. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. How delicate, how delicate, amazing. Oh my God, my boy Carlo, let's go. Hi Carlo. Would anyone else like to join? Or you could join from, you know, close to the balcony with a, a caretaker nearby. All right. All right, friends, so as is typical with Miss Alicia's message for all ages, we're gonna play a theater game. Yay! And it is gonna be, oh my God, hi friends! Come, come, come. Hi, nice to see you, nice to see you. So, yeah, yeah. We're gonna play a theater game and together we're gonna create a story. There's a couple of rules to this storytelling creating time. First rule, we're gonna say yes and to it. Second rule, we're gonna offer any idea we wanna, so long as it doesn't hurt anyone or it doesn't, it doesn't encourage hurting anyone and doesn't encourage hurting ourselves, right? So what it's gonna happen is I'm gonna start off and say a statement. Say like, the barn has a lot of animals. And then someone will volunteer to say yes, and there is a cow. And then another person will say, yes, and the cow jumped over the moon. And another person will say, yes, and the moon is actually made out of cheese. So you can offer any idea you want, so long as it is not hurting anyone or hurting yourself. Everything's encouraged. You can go as wacky and kooky as you want. That's totally celebrated here. Sound good? Yeah. Make sense? Great. Let's start our story. First line of the story is, Rabbi Jesus is really, really cool. Yes, Rabbi Jesus is a savior, I guess. Anyone else want to add to the story? Also, the audience in person can participate. If you would like to raise your hand, and friends at home, you can type it in chat or say it to yourself. Yeah. Yes, and Rabbi Jesus was Palestinian. Yes, and Rabbi Jesus was full of love. Yes, and Rabbi Jesus thinks we're really cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and Rabbi Jesus is nice. Now, friends, look at that. We just created a story together in the span of, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> so what was that like? What was it like to offer an idea out of, just prompted by another person's idea? How did that feel? Yeah? Brave. Brave? Yeah, because it takes strength because it takes courage to share what your idea is, right? Yeah. There's something going on here and up, up here, right? And you're like, here's my idea. And how did it feel to have your idea accepted and embraced if you want to share? Strongness. Strongness, yes, beautiful. Yeah, it takes a lot of strongness, a lot of strength, right? So, friends, I share that game with you today because what we're going to hear from Reverend Yura is a story, a scripture of how Jesus hears an idea from a woman. And instead of rejecting it, he uplifts it, right? He teaches us the importance of including others, including other perspectives, including and affirming, uplifting people's ideas, right? The only ideas he doesn't uplift, right, and that we cannot uplift are ideas that hurt others or ideas that hurt ourselves, right? But Jesus says, whatever your idea is, it is beloved because you are beloved. Can we say that? I am beloved. You are beloved. You are beloved. We are beloved. We are beloved. Thank you so much, friends, for creating that story. And now let's sing See Ya Humba.
dear friends, we are excited to greet Tammy Woods, our soloist for the morning and the afternoon. Reflect as she sings, Give Me Jesus.
in a space of thanksgiving. Siblings, let us now pray the prayer in the way that you have known it, the way you can express it. Let us rise and pray the prayer. Ever-loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the reign, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, this is our time where we pass the peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God be with you, safely and lovingly.
Gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out. This is Bruce, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me. goodness. This community is amazing. It is so good to see your faces this morning. It is so good to see so many, um, what is the words we use? Young at heart here with us this morning up there on the balcony. I see you. This story has a child just like you in it. And moms, there's a there's um, a character in this story, just like you in this story, too. I'm reading from Mark 7:24 to 30. From there, he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. And yet, he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard him. And she came and bowed at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table, eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. I want to start off by saying, this really is a truly amazing community. And it is a dream for me to be a part of this community. I only started six weeks ago, but I've come to see that it is such a dream to be able to work with an incredible team of faith leaders who not only care about our personal faith, but also care about putting boots on the ground, about acting, about making our actions an animation of God's love and justice and mercy in the world. And I cannot wait to get to know more of you in this space, in this intercultural, multi-faith, intergenerational space, to hear from all of you how we can partner together and use our unique gifts. That's not mine, is it? <laughs> and, <laughs> it's okay. and use our unique gifts to bring healing to this world. I can't wait to get to know you all. Now, I felt called to this work of ministry from a young age, but honestly, it seemed like a pipe dream for me because I come from a family of immigrants. And in our family, every decision made was about survival. And my parents made it really clear that if I was gonna be doing work, the kind of work that I needed to be doing as a grown-up, it needed to be work that would consistently bring food to the table and roof over my head. Other immigrant families will know what I'm talking about. You see, my father was a refugee who was exiled from his home as a young boy when he was living in what is now called Pakistan. He was exiled there during the Pakistan-India conflict. 
He and his mother sought refuge in India when it became clear to them from all the violence that they were witnessing around them that they might die if they stayed in Pakistan. My mom and her four siblings were raised by my Lola, my grandmother, who was a single mother in the Philippines. And when my mom was 13, she was forced to leave school and go to work beside my Lola, selling rice and other produce at the local market. She had to do this to help her mother support herself and her four siblings. And my parents met and married, and they started a life in Hong Kong, typical of many immigrants, even here in the US. They had humble beginnings, making tons of sacrifices so that my siblings and I could have everything that they needed. My mother would pick up cleaning jobs so that she could secure the chance of education for us that she didn't have. And my dad would sacrifice time working late at night, sacrifice time with his children, and, and work even in the weekends so that he could secure the, the feeling of home and security that he didn't have. And he died at the age of 73, never ever, never, ever having experienced retirement. He worked until the day he died in order to give his six children what they needed to survive in a foreign nation. Together, my parents faced the hardships of immigrant life, hoping that we, their children, wouldn't have to because our survival was urgent to them. And I hear in this woman's story that it was the same for her. Her child's survival was urgent to her. She was desperately looking for help for her sick daughter. And now I imagine this woman had already spent all that she had, all her money, getting, trying to find treatment for her, for her daughter by a local healer if there was one even available. I imagine she'd gone to family, that she'd gone door to door to her neighbors, she'd gone to her community, and they had all done everything that they could to help. But I wonder, in that morning in Tyre, she had heard stories about this Rabbi Jesus and heard that she'd come to town. I wonder if she was thinking, you know what? I've heard that he has fed thousands and I heard that he's healed thousands of Jews on his ministry and his journey. I wonder, since he's right here in the area of Tyre, I wonder if he could find it in his heart to heal my baby girl too. And so she takes a risk. She follows him into a home. It doesn't seem like he wants to be a to be found, so she took a risk there, but she took an even bigger risk because Jesus is a man and she's a woman. So she broke social norms in that way. She also took a risk because she was a Gentile and not just any Gentile, she was a Canaanite of Syrophoenician descent. And you see, their people, the Syrophoenicians, and the ancient Israelites in the city of Tyre, they had a long history between them. They were both Semitic, but they practiced different faiths. They historically have fought one another over their land, but now, in this moment that we're reading about, now their once glorious city of Tyre was now at the hands of the oppressive Roman government, who have taken control of all of the nation's resources. So this mother with a sick child, she thinks, surely this rabbi is going to understand that the same way that his community has struggles to have, have struggled to have enough, she too is struggling to have enough for her child. But when she approaches him, Jesus does something shocking to us as modern readers. He says, God's children are more important, that they deserve to be fed first, because it wouldn't be fair to take what was meant for God's children and give it to the dogs. The dogs being her, the dogs being her people, the dogs being her sick child. What he says, 
to this mother comes from a charge, a historical charge of all this tension between their two communities. His community saw Gentiles, like this Syrophoenician woman, as unclean and impure, undeserving of God's blessings because they worshipped other gods. They believed that it was the worship of other gods that led to the demise of their nation. So for his community, they believed we did the right thing. We have been faithful. We are much more deserving of God's help. But what they did in thinking that way is codify who was deserving of help. And the needs of this Syrophoenician woman and her child, their needs sat at the bottom. Now these outsiders to them were not a priority. So their help was limited to the crumbs and the morsels that fell from the table where God's children sat. Now before we get all judgy about this, we have to admit we as a church, the Big C Church, we've done the exact same thing. Instead of seeing diversity, our theologies have evaluated differences from the norm as sin. And then we use these theologies to draw boundaries for who is deserving and who is undeserving. Who's on the inside, who should be pushed to the outside. We refuse to help certain people that fall outside of the boundaries that we draw. And too often, those people that get pushed back are those with disabilities, are folks with dark skin, they're folks who have accents, or those who aren't Christian, they're the ones that get pushed to the outside. It's queer folks. It's trans folks, poor folks, undocumented folks, houseless folks that don't get to come to the table for help because our theologies exclude them. We push their needs for safety, health, shelter. We push them to the bottom. And in doing so, we treat them lower than the dogs that roam the street taking away their dignity and their humanity. Now this woman, who's considered to be an outsider, even by Jesus, she challenges this view by clapping back at Jesus, saying, Jesus, even dogs gotta eat. God's children have to eat, but so does my daughter. God's children get the chance to be healthy and well, but even my daughter deserves the chance to be well too. And in speaking out, she drew attention to the common need that these two communities had, both Jews and Canaanites, that both their communities needed food and healthcare, that the reason that both their communities were struggling was because of the systems and structures that were set up by the Roman government that would limit their access to basic resources. She drew his attention to how this led their communities to be pitted against one another, to be in competition with one another, both Jews and Gentiles, for the same basic resources as food and healthcare. And what Jesus does next is radical because he doesn't just give her crumbs or give her left leftovers. What he does is when he entered Tyre, his ministry started with his people, but because of this woman's plea, because of this conversation, Jesus expands his ministry. Instead of dishing out crumbs to this woman, to this desperate mother, he gives her the whole meal and heals her daughter completely. And he doesn't stop there. He goes out to the rest of Tyre. He goes on to heal others in the diversity. He goes on and with he and, and a boy that he meets, he goes on to feed 
another diverse crowd of thousands with bread and fish. But this diverse crowd, they're all from different backgrounds. They're all different faiths. And he does this to show that no one gets to be excluded. Everyone in actuality is one of God's children. And I'd like to think when I think about this scene that it must have looked like an outdoor banquet where everyone could eat until they were full, where nobody was reduced to scavenging for crumbs at the ground. Jesus was so influenced by this mother. Mothers, your mama bear spirit influenced Jesus here. Who's so influenced by her plea that he expanded his model of the good news of salvation from oppressive systems to include not just God's people, but also all people, especially those that were pushed to the margins. And we, today, we should be inspired by Jesus to do the same thing because the issue of marginalized groups being pitted against one another still exists today. We, the church, we fight about which social issues are worthy of our attention, which are most pressing. And that leads marginalized groups to believe that they need to go toe-to-toe -to -toe and participate in some kind of oppression at Olympics just to be seen, heard, and taken seriously. And what we do in this society, in this church, in this, this government, we say that there isn't enough to go around. And as a result, marginalized communities have been forced to survive on crumbs. And like this woman's child from our passage today, we are sick from it. We are sick and tired of it. We are fed up of surviving off of scraps and crumbs from the ground. But Jesus shows us that another way is possible. If only we can be as open to being shaped and formed by one another, just like Jesus was by the Syrophoenician woman, by this mother. It's not easy, but it's possible. And I believe that another way is possible because I've seen God's work through my parents. I see them, I've seen them work, God's news of God's expansive love. I've seen God work through them and how they treated one another and how they, they and the values in which they raised us. I saw how they were both from different backgrounds and different faiths. My dad Hindu and my mother Catholic. My dad Indian and my mother from the Philippines, both recognizing that they too have the same basic needs and that both their communities had the same basic needs. That even with my dad's community, an immigrant community in Hong Kong that had to start their own businesses because no one would buy from them, he knew, both my mother and he knew, that they needed to do that. They knew because of the, the history of the Filipino community, how they were brought over from the Philippines to work as domestic workers and then exploited for their labor. We, they heard those stories, both of them. And they knew that they lived in this way, they lived in this struggle because they both had a need to, just, to survive, both their communities. That just as they had a need to survive, their children too had the same urgent needs to survive. And they wouldn't survive if they were in competition with one another. And I have to hold on to that when I think back on my parents, because now living in the United States as an immigrant, I too bring this back into my home. It is incumbent to my family that, that we live in this way because we are raising three multi-ethnic children. As a part of our marriage, he and I, we had to become aware of the ways in which this nation has pitted our communities against one another the black community and the Asian community, fighting for the crumbs of safety and security in this nation. We've had to cultivate, cultivate a practice of recognizing our common needs for dignity, he as a black man and me as an Asian woman, 
and see that neither one of us are in competition, that we are both, I'm pointing to him because he's up there. <laughs> we are both, in fact, worthy. Because if we didn't, where would our children fall in this equation? And so I stand here and I'm in this ministry work because it's a means of survival for me to continue to make this other way possible. There was something incredible that happened in this exchange with the Syrophoenician mother and with Jesus that caused him to change the, the trajectory of his ministry, where when he entered Tyre, his ministry was to God's children, but by the time he left, he had ministered to people across cultural boundaries and religious boundaries, and I believe that our calling today is to do the same, to change the trajectory of the church from what we thought it was. In this community, we are called to be shaped by one another, to be in a community that isn't just tolerant of differences, but to actually be shaped and molded to live together and live out what God desires for us all. And that is for all of us to be included as God's children. Because it was never God's intention, our creator's intention, for us to be in competition with one another, to be seen, heard, or fed. Our creator's intention was for us to look, look out for who has been excluded and pushed to the outside, meet their needs, because when we do, all of us are going to be fed. In this community, we are called to do what the, this little boy said here, to be brave and have strongness, to recognize the worth of our neighbors who have been pushed to the outside, and to be brave and have strongness on it and respond just as Jesus did. Our calling is to animate love, not just to talk about it, not just to vote on it, but to animate love in such a way that our neighbors experience on the outside the magnitude of their worth. Our calling is to partner together to make real the possibility of this banquet right here where everyone can thrive. And I believe that is the mission that we need to reclaim in our faith. At Middle, we're imagining a church where this is a possibility. It's a bit different. It feels a little clunky. It's uncomfortable. It's a little weird sometimes. But it's possible. And to make this happen, we have to be willing to be shaped by one another, to see who's being pushed on the outside, to see the intersections of identities that have been forgotten. If you're willing to be molded by me, by my sisters of color, by my queer siblings, by my neurodivergent siblings, if you're willing to be molded, then let's get to work. Let's get boots on the ground and make this banquet happen. If you're willing, ask yourselves today, what is your part in putting this banquet together? What is your contribution to this movement going to be so that we can all feast? The good news is that you're not alone. Neither of us are. But we do this work together as a community, as a middle family to rebuild, to repair, to reclaim and restore God's kingdom here on earth as it is promised to us in heaven.
Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for your words. Hello, Middle. My name is Ryan McNally. My pronouns are he, him. And I've been coming to Middle Church uh, since 2017. Uh, like many American Christians, I was raised in a faith community that taught me to believe that people of other faiths, even people of other denominations, should be seen as suspect, possibly even, possibly even evil, that the devil was working in them to try and trick us, and we have to be vigilant against people like that. It was a message in a culture that was very much at odds with God's message of universal love. Um, I had been without a church community for a really long time living here in New York until I had a uh, coworker who couldn't stop talking about this amazing church community when he was with me privately and was just talking that it's a place that accepts everyone, even people like us, and where everyone can feel welcome and loved. And they, they have an amazing choir too that sings beautifully. So I came one Sunday morning and on that morning, uh, the prayer of the people was not given by a member of our congregation, but instead by, oh, and I, I should put in context this, this was just a couple days before the anniversary of 9-11. And the person that was giving, the people that were giving the prayer that morning was a Jewish woman rabbi and a Muslim man. And I knew in that moment that I had come to a place where healing could happen. I knew in that moment that I had come home. I hope you will join us. Uh, if you've been thinking about joining Middle Church, please go to our website, middlechurch.org join. You can fill out just a really short, simple um, sheet of information about you, let us know about you, and become a member. I hope you will also use the QR code on your screen or go to uh, middlechurch.org donate. Uh, consider making a one-time donation or you can make a recurring donation. And please consider joining our three-year pledge for Middle Rising campaign to help rebuild our new church. Um, won't you join us? Won't you come home?
God of abundance, accept what we offer today. Our time, our service, our cash, our Venmos, our faltering steps, our brokenness, our all that we have, our risking, our righteous anger, and our dreaming. God bless and transform all that we offer and all that we might hold back so that new life may be ours and so that we may celebrate at your banquet where all may eat until they are full. Amen. And if you remain standing as we get ready for our closing hymn, Rich Man's House. We had some work to do in the voting arena. We held a Senate, so we did some work. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do a little celebrating and protesting. any doubt of your worth as God's child is today, I hope when you walk out these doors, you, you won't ever forget just how worthy you are, just how much 
God desires for you to thrive. But so do I, so do you, so do all of us desire of one another to thrive. That when you join this movement, that what, that's what it means to have a stake in one another's thriving. So as we wrap up, I'm glad that we, we did the thing. We showed up at the polls. Amen. Amen. That's right. But we don't stop. That's not where we stop. We keep moving. Amen. And right now, our Reverends Jackie and Reverends Amanda, they're, they're still moving. They're still organizing. And they're organizing action for this Georgia runoff election. They haven't stopped. We don't stop at the polls. And you can be a part of that too. We have uh, representatives from our voters reform group. We have Claudia and Susan, and today they're gonna be passing out postcards if you want some. Claudia's over there. Pick some postcards out to mail out. Get involved. Stay active. Let's not just talk about it. Let's animate love, animate fierce love. So stay tuned for more ways that you can do this. Remember, next week, we have an epic Sunday. Can everyone say epic Sunday? Epic, epic Sunday. We have a baptism. We have trans awareness celebration with guest speaker Alok, who is coming in. They are an activist and an artist, and it is so special that we get to host them. They could be anywhere, but they're coming to Middle. And then following that, we have our intercultural book fair. That's right. So it's going to be an epic Sunday. Invite your friends. Invite friends with kiddos. Invite everyone. Just tell them, just come. Let's fill this house up. And let's receive this benediction. May you know your worthiness. Know that you're God's child. May you realize, too, the worthiness of your neighbors. May you love God by actualizing this vision of a banquet where we are all worthy of a full meal. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Peace. See you next week. <laughs>